Welcome to Savvy Sabs Podcast. This is episode 23. Chris Hedges explains Bernie's mistake. Recently, I interviewed Chris Hedges about the topic of Bernie Sanders' mistake came up. Chris asked Bernie to walk away from the Democratic Party, and Bernie said he didn't want to go the way of Ralph Nader. What are your thoughts? Feel free to call in. So this was a really interesting discussion. Um, it was nice to hear from someone who actually you know, worked with Bernie Sanders and knew him as to why uh, Bernie Sanders did not you know, decide to start like a third party or third party organization or movement after he lost the second time around, not even necessarily the first time around. Uh, Chris Hedges explained, I don't know if everyone's seen that interview, but if not, definitely check that out. Uh, Chris Hedges explained that Bernie Sanders decided not to do that because he didn't want to go the way of Ralph Nader. So for those who are not aware, the Democratic Party did everything that they could to destroy Ralph Nader. And so essentially, Bernie Sanders put his career before us. And I find that to be really interesting because he was the one whose slogan was not me, us. So apparently it was him because he left us. It was about him and about his career. And I think hearing that from him, I think that really said a lot because I honestly We've never heard that from Bernie Sanders. We've never heard him. No one, anyone who's interviewed him, no one has asked him that question from what I've seen. And so I think it was good to hear that. And then also he brought up the fact that Bernie Sanders essentially is a Democrat, even though he has the title as an independent. Chris Hedges told you he's still a Democrat, just like the members of the squad. They're Democrats. So I do, I do see we have a couple of callers. I'm going to go ahead and take the first one, which is uh, Darian. So you are on the mic. You just have to unmute. Hi, can you hear me? I can. Oh, wow. Hi, Sabi. It's really uh, good to hear you. And I'm glad this is my first time calling in. Thanks so much. Great to hear from you. Well, um, as a response to what you were saying earlier in regards to Bernie, um, I think it goes back to what I think it was Kamala Shalant. I think it was her who said, if, you, if you're not willing to take the heat or willing to be able to push back and expect to be pushed back, then that's not a cause you should take up. And I just think like it's it's almost uh, indicative of what we've seen with uh, Uvalde. <laughs> you know, these people are supposed to protect and serve us, but we literally see exactly what they do when they're under scrutiny. And it's it's not just Bernie; it's 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 uh it's just people in general when you come come against power, and if you're not willing to say no, and whatever the repercussions are of that then nothing will change. That's right. No, that's my thoughts on that one. No, it's, it's a good point. It's like someone brought this question up to me actually after the interview, and they said they want to know why at Bernie Sanders' age, why he wasn't even willing to risk it, because at that point, Bernie Sanders is old enough to retire. He could just retire, 
just chill for the rest of his life. He doesn't have to still be a politician. So what he could have what done. What is there to lose? Exactly, right? So that's what makes think. me wonder. <laughs> that's what makes me wonder. Like, at this point, you have nothing to lose. If I was like 76, 77, whatever years old, and I was in that position, first of all, I wouldn't have done it through a political campaign. But if I was in that position, then I would have just said, fuck it. Because look, I'm going to fight and fight as much as I can. Like I told people I would. And if the Democratic Party pushes me out, then they just push me out and just fucking re- retire and just call this a wrap. But I would not walk away from the people. And that's essentially what he did. Yes. And I and I and that's why I paralleled the Uvalde crisis in which these politicians who are supposed to be fighting for us against, let's say, an active shooter. When we have these corporate entities, they are killing us. <laughs> And we're supposed to have a a team or politicians of people fighting for us, and they clearly are not. And it's just really like, you can really just see the parallels. I mean, I I hope people do see that and realize that you you can say, look at all these people, but you also have to say no in your individual life, too. That's right, because otherwise there's no point in you being there. Like, if you're... You know, just to say it is what it is at this point, because I I just don't understand it. Bernie Sanders does not need this job. You know what I mean? Like he's Bernie Sanders. He, he's a millionaire now because he made that money off of that book. He really does not need to keep this job. So that's why to me, it's like at this point, man, like, what do you have to lose? Just leave. Just go. When you leave, you go out with a bang. And my dad always told me. If you're going to push back against something, something that you feel is about morality per se, like what's morally right. My dad always told me, go big or go home. Because otherwise, if you just go there just to, I don't know, give people a little bit of crumbs, there's no sense in you going there. I also feel like if you continue to let these things happen, it's just... It's consent. You're consenting to these things continuously happen. So when you're not pushing it back against it, it's an agreement. Exactly. And I think, you know, there's it just I don't understand at this point for Bernie Sanders. How can you still defend Joe Biden at this point? At this point right now, how can you still go on to networks and say that Joe Biden's doing a good job now for someone like AOC and squad members? It makes sense as to why they're like selling out. They just got there pretty much a couple years ago. They're not at retirement age. Bernie is. So it makes of, uh, I don't know. What else do they have on him? You know? You, you really have to wonder. And or if it's just pure cowardice <laughs> like we've witnessed, or he just doesn't believe in it. Like I just can't imagine if if this is your last leg, like kind of what you said, why not just go out? And and it's not just him. It's why not Joe Biden? He can barely, he's, he knows he's going out. And it's pretty evident to everybody. It's like they're just there to maintain the status quo. And, you know, including, and that includes Bernie Sanders. I feel like he's just there to try to continue to sheep hurt young people into the Democratic Party again. 
Like, how dare you even mention that you might even be considering running in 2024 if Joe Biden doesn't want? How dare you even mention that after what you put people through, after you got all these young kids hopes up, you got people motivated to fight back against the system. And then you tell us at the end, no, vote for the system. How dare you? Well, I have to say, Savvy, doesn't that make you think, though, when you have someone like Joe Biden and all these people who can literally, and they have all the people in the world around them supplying them the information into regards to what's really going on, but yet they can gloss over it and somehow try to convince themselves that everything is okay. And I think that goes really more into the psychopathy uh, of these people more so than just just how they rule like if they can believe that what else are they what else are they willing or not willing to do no that's a good point i mean it's just i don't understand how anyone can still like push bernie sanders right now i i just really don't understand unless you're just grifting you, you got to be grifting at this point if you're still trying to tell people to go out there and, and push bernie sanders at this point, it's a lost cause. Like, seriously. You can't let people down twice, two election cycles in a row, and people see that there's, you have nothing to lose. People see that, like, at your age, you can retire, you're a millionaire, you can just continue on unless you are staying there for a specific reason, and that is to continue to get the young people riled up and to push them into the Democratic Party. Because the polls are showing that a lot of the younger people, Gen Z generation, they're more willing to embrace socialism. They're more, you know, especially uh, younger black people in this country are less likely to buy into the two-party system. So to me, it seems like Bernie Sanders is there for a reason, a specific reason for us to think that we have somebody in there fighting for progressive issues. But the reality is we don't. I feel like it's just a mirage at this point. Uh, well, I certainly can't disagree with you, Sandy, um, especially when you look for history. Um, you, it feels like you're having the same fight, just just a, a different period. We're, we're always having these same fights, and obviously they've been through capitalism, so it, it's you got to wonder at some point, when, when are the people going to figure it out? <laughs> I feel like it shouldn't be a minority of people at this point. I mean, now it's pretty blatant that they have such a disregard for the people that they don't care. They just want it at this point. And um, I think they overplayed their hand with their arrogance. Yeah. No, it's a good point. Someone said in the chat, don't forget, he was friends with Michael Parenti, who has criticized Bernie on this. Yeah, well, I think thank you, Sabi. I really do appreciate your time and everything, and uh, it was really a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for calling in. All right, I'm going to go to the next caller, and that is Betsy. You're on the mic. Hi, Sabi. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Week's almost over. Um, yeah, so I, I watched your interview with Chris Hedges. Um, that was awesome that you got him on. And yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand 
he has nothing to lose. I was actually just up in Vermont uh, last weekend. I went up with my boyfriend, went camping, and it's still such, it's like Bernie country, you know? Like, he is so loved there that he could just be totally independent, form his own party, do whatever. People would still vote for him. They would vote for him if he was in a coma. Like, you know, so like, he, you know, if he wants to be a senator till he's like, you know, 90, uh, I who knows? Like, I could totally see that. The like, the job is his, right? Like Democrats, like Democrat, there's a reason that Democrats don't even ever run anybody when when it's, you know, he's always up for, you know, reelection every six years because they, they know they could never beat him. So I don't understand. And it like, it makes me wonder if if it's like, if he almost had like Stockholm syndrome or something like analogous to that by, you know, trying to become the nominee of the Democratic Party where they totally screwed him over. He should have, you know, walked out of the convention in 2016 um, with the other, you know, the del- his delegates who walked out. Um, I forget where that was. If that was in, I, I can't remember what city, but that's when it should have happened. I mean, I think 2020 was too late, but it, it would have been better than nothing. Um, and I don't, and it's like, he sees how much they screwed him over and all of these young people, yet he's still like with them. And, and it's like, I, so it's like, it's just, it's really screwed up. And like, it makes me think of like, okay, so I've super progressive leftist friends who still, you know, they mean well, and they think that they can change the party from within and I have discussions with them about how bad the party is and how it screws everybody over and what they did to Alex Morse here in Massachusetts. I would, by the way, Sabby, if if you could get Alex Morse on your show, that would be so awesome to discuss how the party screwed him over. But now that he's what he's mayor of Provincetown, like I'm getting maybe he wouldn't do it. But anyway, like how people can still be so devoted and insistent on no i i know these people are they're they're really bad but but you know oh i'm still i'm still a democrat and and i still want to you know change the party from within and it's like do you guys have stockholm syndrome are you sadomasochist like why stay with with an organization that's so corrupt and hurt as hurting so many people and bernie's not even a democrat so like it's like he could totally just go and form his own party and he could have brought along so many people, you know, and like maybe part of it was that he didn't feel like it should be him. And that, that whole, you know, it's, it's, what is it? It's not me, us, right. I still have the bumper sticker on my car because I really, I really believe in that. Um, And I, I think that was, you know, a great, a slogan that he had. And so I think he was just insistent that it not be him, but I don't know. I just, it's a head scratcher. <laughs> like seriously, <laughs> I, I hope, I hope maybe you could like savvy, maybe you could get like seriously, like a psychologist, someone with like a serious, you know, psycho like PhD in psychology to come on the show and really try to like psychoanalyze why, like the reasons behind why someone would would still have allegiance to a party that screwed them over and and all the followers. 
not once, but twice. Right. That's a good idea. Um, That's a good idea. Yeah. I, I would really, I mean, it's not like oh, the, and I don't think Bernie's a bad person. Like I, I, I think that he, I think he does have like his heart in the right place, but it's like, come on, take the temperature of the room here. This was the mo- the moment, the moment was ripe. And now we, we may, we may lose it forever. You know, like we, our democracy is already hanging by a thread, right? Like we're not even a democracy. We're an oligarchy. Um, <clears throat> and we can't wait, right? Like we can't like how the Democrats, oh, vote, just vote harder, vote November. So we can, uh, you know, protect women's right to choose. It's like, no, well, that's too late for the people who are pregnant now. But no, we can't. Yeah, we can't wait. So I don't know. Bernie's waiting for someone to come out and take the mantle. Like we had our opportunity. So I, I do think that it's up to up to us. Like we have to move on without him. Um, as painful as that is. And and I do, you know, I'm really grateful for Bernie and and I know a lot of others are and have set, echoed this sentiment as well that he woke us up, you know, like he got us all revved up and everything. And so now we do have to continue on without him. And it's sad. It's it's like it's just really pathetic. Like why why caucus with the Democrats? Why? Like he should be like I saying I'm not going to vote for such and such unless you do X, Y, Z, because his vote. Right. Isn't it equivalent to Joe Manchin's? Last time I checked, one senator equals one vote, right? So <laughs> he could be holding up a lot of stuff. And 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 I know he's probably concerned with his legacy, but he already has such an amazing legacy. So like I think he needs to go out on a high note. Not a not a not a, a crappy note like like what's happening now. And yeah, I feel like the same as you, Sabi, he has nothing to lose. And his job is like t- in Vermont, it's totally secure. He could be senator till he's a hundred. Nobody would care up there yeah, what he yeah. does because they love him so much. And yeah, so, yeah. right, yeah, like, yeah. do the right thing, Bernie. But, but, yeah. but as I said, we gotta just we have to move on without him. We really do. Um, it's just hard. I don't know who that. I mean, I see someone like Chris Smalls, right? Like, there's so many uh, people who have such potential for leadership. Um. So, and I know you don't want to run savvy, but still like <laughs> we, we do need, we do need people like you. And, um, yeah. So I, I don't know if you could get a psychologist to come on, like, seriously, I think that'd be an interesting discussion. And, and also like the Alex Morse piece, because this is something that I bring up all the time with my friends who live here in Massachusetts about like, let's not even look like at the, you know, the DNC and the the Nancy Pelosi and all those idiots, but just here at the state level, how totally corrupt and screwed up it is. And I feel like that's the way to get through to them when you talk on a more local level of like how things are affecting them. And so that would be so cool if you could get him on and, you know, talk about what the, what they did to him. And, And I'm sure that, that it's happened in other states too. So for those of you on the call who aren't from Massachusetts, just Google Alex Morse, M-O-R-S-E, um, and you will easily find it. <laughs> so. Yes, I was going to say, uh, for those who are not aware, um, Alex Morse, he was a progressive candidate, and he's based out of Holyoke, Massachusetts, which is, that's the western part of Massachusetts. It's rural there. 
and he was the young, I think he was the youngest mayor, uh, in his, in his district. He was very young when he was mayor, but, um, they basically ran a smear campaign against Alex Moore saying that I guess he was trying to have relationships with students because he also teaches and <clears throat> Alex Morse is, is openly gay. And they were trying to say that he was targeting, uh, young, uh, male students that he was basically trying to, I guess, inappropriately, uh, get involved with them. And for those who don't understand the gist of this, he was on a dating site, like a lot of people are on dating sites and he, you know, meets people on the dating sites. But anyway, long story short, what they said about Alex Morris was not true, but it was too late because they smeared him so much and um, people believed it. And it was really sad because I'm like, this guy, you know, he was the mayor. He, he was doing a good job as mayor. And it was interesting to me how many people, <laughs> some of his own supporters, just they, they fell for it and they believed it and they knew he had a chance of winning. They knew he had a chance of winning and that's why they were like, well, we gotta, we gotta find a way to stop him. So they gave a smear campaign against him. Same thing with Shahid Buttar, by the way. Same thing happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. Alex Morse, he actually ran for mayor when he was still in college. He was yep. a senior yep. in college. So yeah, he was like the youngest mayor. And I think he served for like a decade. And yeah, and the, and the sick part is that the chair of the, the state party is still the chair, Gus Bickford. A lot of people called for him to resign and he didn't, but then people voted for him anyway. You know, <laughs> when the position came up again. So yeah, it's, it's really screwed up and it just, you know, it all ties in though, I think with this whole, you know, I, it's, there's gotta be a better name for it than Stockholm syndrome. But I do, I do feel like at the time when I was struggling whether to leave the party and I did leave in, in 2020, um, after red, you know, I registered when I turned 18 because I was like, Oh, I'm a Democrat. That's what I'm going to do. I didn't know any, that there were even really any other options. And I stuck it out and I finally was so disgusted that I left. Um, and it's like, it felt like, like, and I, it's, I, I sh shudder to use the analogy because I don't want to offend anybody who's been in this situation, but in talking to other people about it, who've done the same thing, it was like, yeah, it basically felt like leaving an abusive, abusive partner. Um, and I, and I'm, I know that for anyone listening who, who is in that situation or has left an abusive partner, I'm sure it's a million times worse. I'm not equating, you know, the, the experience leaving the party with, with an actual abusive situation. I'm just saying that it's like, it, it had that, it just had echoes of that just from what I've heard and, and read and talk, talking to people who've been through that. Um, and so, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what I wish that I could get into Bernie's brain and understand, you know, why he like he somehow thinks he would wind up like Ralph Nader. So Ralph Nader, like unless I'm totally mistaken, Savvy and anyone else listening, Ralph Nader never held elected office. So it's it's not really analogous because Bernie's been a senator for a long time. Right. He was he was a rep before that. So he's been in Congress for like, what, three, four decades, whatever it was. He's mayor of Burlington before that. And Ralph Nader was never in elected office. So 
I, I just don't see it being the same. I don't see how he would like all of a sudden become a pariah um, the way that Nader did. So those are my two cents. And, um, you know, um, I hope you have a great rest of your day. And uh, I'm going to try to join tomorrow night. You're still you're doing call in tomorrow night, Abby, or was this a a uh, substitute? Yeah, I'm still, yeah, I'm still OK, too. OK. Cool. Well, it was good, ch- good chatting, and um, I look forward to your future shows. Thank you. Thanks. All right, I'm going to go to the next caller, and that is uh, Mitchell. You're on the mic. Just have to hit unmute. Is it is it hot now? Yeah. Making sure I didn't have two mics on. Uh, first, I'd like to go over the he has nothing to lose. Uh, first of all, uh, I was in Iowa, so we had two years more of the whole election than the rest. Oh, I think you're cutting out a little bit, Mitchell. You got me now? You got me now? Can you hear me on this microphone? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm in Iowa, so I got two years more of the election. Is it bad? I got two years more of the election than the rest of the country. So uh, what happened was, uh, you remember what happened when it looked like at first Hillary was going to lose. They went after his wife. Uh, basically, uh, they were coming up with charges that were going to put her away in prison for life until he dropped and started supporting. Uh, then those charges went away. And those charges were always ready to come back if he if he didn't bow down. So it's not that he had nothing nothing to lose, and uh, and also, so before the caucus, I was a precinct chair. I went to all the meetings, and every month the uh, the uh, the national party would come and demand that they do everything possible to get Bernie out, and. All of our meetings weren't centered on how to beat uh, Trump or whatever uh, whatever uh, uh, Republican was going to run. It was how to prevent Bernie from winning. And since I was a Bernie supporter, I was removed as my precinct chair. And uh, when um, I became the delegate f- for this area uh, and I was supporting Bernie, uh, I was told that I had to uh, dis- or drop being a Bernie delegate, write a letter saying that it was bad that I was a Bernie delegate and I was going to switch my vote or leave the party, and I left the party. And he has a lot to lose. He had a lot of people actively gunning for him. Every month they were putting out, I don't remember if you can go back and see in the news, but they kept coming up with new rules every month. So whatever wasn't working, they'd throw another person on. If there was uh, if there was any segment of the pop population that Bernie was winning in, somebody that was a representative of that population would suddenly become the focus uh, as as to take away the voters on that group away from Bernie. And um, it was just outrageous. And so um, I don't know what I'm doing now. <laughs> I I'm saying right now. Uh, if somebody wants my vote, they better be in a party that's not Republican or Democrat. <laughs> Was I totally off the air all the time? Thank you. 
Yeah, I was yeah, going to say thank say you thank for you. that that information, Mitchell. I was also going to ask, um, I understand, I remember when they came after his wife, but I guess my question is, why wouldn't he just retire? Like, why does he have to stay in the system? I believe he has to stay in the system to show support so for, for their other candidates, because they know if he leaves the system, they've lost everybody that was a supporter, not just those of us that were the most active. Wow. So I, I believe he's not only forced to to uh, sit on the sideline, he's forced to constantly make, make praise of Biden. It sounds like a hostage situation, Mitchell. Yes. And uh, basically all of the rest of the candidates that were on that, that supported Biden, I would say really should not be allowed to even take a vote or a donation. And many of those are, you know, I really see as suspect. Yeah, I mean, I definitely hear you there. Um, I just, I don't trust any of them. I think they're all, they're, they're just, they're fishy to me. They, they really are. Um, I can tell, like, I see people doing interviews with Rokana, and I can tell Rokana is lying. I can tell he's playing the politician game. And I feel like people don't really, they don't really call him out on it. Like, they'll, they'll challenge him a little bit, but they're not really calling him out on his own corruption. You know, how can you say that you're progressive and you take corporate money? Yeah. They're not calling out the fact that Rokana's wife takes money from the military industrial complex. Why doesn't anybody bring this up? Well, I'm a teacher, so I kind of do too. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but you're not running as a progress. You see what I'm saying? Like, and, yeah. and for him saying that, you know, he backs Medicare for all and he, he approves of it. That's great, Rokana. But what are you actually doing? Like while you're in D.C. to push for it, this bill from Pramila Jayapal and Bernie Sanders, that bill is old. <laughs> we can't say it's a new bill anymore. It's an old bill. They haven't brought it to the floor for a vote. And I know every bill is now voted on. But that's where I feel like the progressives who are there, they should be pushing for that to be you know, brought to the floor for a vote. And they're not. And I believe that's exactly why. They didn't uh, force the vote because they didn't actually want to fight for anything. Well, I was out here a lot with Rokana. And whenever Rokana was there, he was never pushing Bernie's policies. He was mostly there saying, I'm here, I'm the assistant or not, or the, the chief uh, uh, person running this and whatever. But he wasn't saying, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. It was just like, what was he there for? And the the person that was here before, the one that got Bernie really going, uh, Misty Rowe, Rebick, Misty Rebick, uh, she was really good. And I felt that she was just replaced and put to the sideline by Rokana just to keep her from doing any good. In fact, I'd like to see Misty uh, Rebick run for president. I should let another caller go. I wonder what... <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I, I, wonder I wonder what happened to her, you know? She's still in Iowa. It just, 
the whole thing. Like, I don't understand how more people can't see the writing on the wall. And I think that um, Betsy was right when she said that it's like this abusive relationship because the Democratic Party continues to beat the crap out of us and people continue to to give them their support. Yeah, because they, they feel that they're, they don't want to be the Republican. And I say Just, it'd be better for the Republicans, no matter what we do, it's going to be horrible under the Republicans. We can't do anything until we, until we stop this madness of keep electing the uh, Democrats that are just doing what the Republicans ask for. Exactly, because they they work together. We talked about this recently on yeah, the women's let, panel. Let's get some new callers in. I'll I'll talk to you later. Bye. Yeah. All right. Uh, Nivek. Nivek or Nivek? You are the next caller. You're on the mic. Yes, hello. Um, hello. It, it seems that the repubs are better strategizers. And um, we could, the Dems can learn from them. Um, I, I was just as, like, um, what, what do you think could have, should have, you know, would have, could have, should have been done in regards to Cinnamon Mansion um, coming up, coming up short in, uh, Right. I think I think they should have been removed from any committee assignments that they have immediately. No trying to negotiate with Joe Manchin anymore. It's done. They should have been removed from any committee assignments. And I think the Democratic Party should have offered up people to primary challenge against both of them. Both of them, because that's exactly what they're doing to people like Cori Bush and Rashida Tlaib. When the progressives in Congress, yeah, don't kiss don't, butt uh, and, and reach yeah. out your hand, uh, hurt and, and and inflict damage, even if you don't think they will get along, get, go along with you, which they won't anyway. <laughs> you, right, well, you, like, you attack them instead of kowtowing. Right, it's like they have no problem putting up primary challenges against the progressives. In fact, Rashida Tlaib's going through that right now. They've already put up a but path. But Dems are weak. But they're not weak against certain people. Do, do you see what I'm saying? They're not weak against certain people, though. Because what do you make of Gavin the, uh, the, the, the way he's um, attacking the uh, right? Uh, like, talking about uh, how Red states, they're more violent, and um, the COVID yeah, deaths. He's he, yeah. It's it's almost as if like um, he's taking he's he, he he's doing. It's almost as you know. It looks like he's learning from the Republicans and taking the fire to them. He's not. Uh, and, so, and and I know people don't like him, but I'm just saying it, it's it's kind of like. Uh, he he's making he's making like a, a contrast with the with red states and blue states and just more taking the fight to the Republicans and and attacking them uh, and, and 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 you see a lot of people liking that and I, well, I think I think Democrats should fight more but it doesn't seem like uh, they're like that that it, 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 I I think I think it's I don't know like. There's something psychologically off with Dems and where they don't, they seem passive. 
Right. Well, I think that's on purpose. And Gavin Newsom is related to Nancy Pelosi. So he's going to get support. That's the thing. Even though he had a recall, he's going to get massive levels of support because he's in cahoots with Nancy Pelosi. That's family. They're going to look after each other. I believe Nancy Pelosi's daughter is supposed to be next in line. See, they're trying to create like a political dynasty here. Her dad was a politician. She became a politician. So it just, this is a problem. And I think, I think the Dems are weak on purpose. I think they're not supposed to really fight and push back. I think they're supposed to protect At the end of the day, you, I, 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 there should be a pressure. And, and, and but I, 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 it's it's not easy to say it, what what could or should have been done because those two cinema and mansion they were blocking everything and um I it's, uh, there's a mis, there's a bit there's a bit of a miscalculation there because I thought okay like there there's a we we got the Senate and the House and everything so but then uh, then all of a sudden it's like. I was kind of surprised with that, and um, but I, I mean, wasn't. Like, I wasn't surprised. Of- Joe Joe Manchin said in the very beginning he did not approve of the infrastructure bill when he did not agree with Build Back Better. Joe Manchin never said he approved of Medicare for all. See, this is the thing: a lot of people are blaming him, and yes, he is part of the problem. But he's been honest from the jump and told us he didn't want it. We should be more heavily criticizing people who ran on those things and then voted against it. Kirsten Cinema, she used to be a green. She agreed with $15 minimum wage. And then what did she do? She voted against it. Kirsten Cinema should be removed from any committee assignment that she has. Why are they not doing that to her? See, that's the question. Why are they not? Because they're doing it to members of the squad, by the way. They're in there for a while, it looks like, to both of those two, unfortunately. It's just, it's it's terrible. It's terrible, you know? They say vote blue no matter who, but it wasn't vote blue no matter who when Paula Jean Swearingen was running against Joe Manchin. It was vote for Joe Manchin. Two, pol- two, two, two politicians caused that much damage. But it's not just two politicians. They're the scapegoat. It wasn't always them. At one point, it was the Senate parliamentarian last year that wouldn't let legislation go through. Kamala Harris is the tiebreaker vote. She deferred to the Senate parliamentarian and the Senate parliamentarian said no. It's just a rotating villain. If it wasn't Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin there, it would be someone else. Um, I understand... Um wanting Bernie to run. You think that he would have won? Do I think he would have won when? Like, uh, well, I I guess, yeah, during a certain time, yeah. Maybe, well, during, 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 uh, the, the, uh, versus, versus Trump in the 2016. No. The Democratic Party would have found ways to support Donald Trump. The DNC is not going to. This is the thing that 
Chris Hedges really hits the nail on the head with. The DNC is not going to let Bernie Sanders win. This is why during the 2020 debates, at one point they started talking about changing the rules. They, that was okay. for a reason. They even changed the rules to let Mike Bloomberg get on the debate stage. But he I'm saying it, at the end of the day, it wouldn't might necessarily need Bernie. You know, it's more it, could, it, it as as a figure. It, 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 in a way that that could be a figurehead as long as you can see with the right, the right they pressure those who are elected to cater to their interests, and if they want votes in order to get into office in order to survive they let them know hey we have you by you know we, we have you by the neck and you have to say what we want and do what we want or or you know and a, a, a politician that wants to survive you you get that politician in and a lot of like just like these these people on the right, they act like they're just uh, you know they're they're they're, nor- they're normal centrists, but they're really not. They're far right because they are held by the the, 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 the will of the of of the of the far right, and catering to their interests, and they let them know you you know you're to cater to our 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 needs, and, and you know if you want to get into office, and the left. Has to establish the, the, the themselves in a way where you know if you want this or that, you know if you want to get that, if you want to if you want to keep power, if you want to remain relevant, you have to say the things that you, we want you to say and do the things that we want you to do. Right, but I think the difference there is that when you look at the Republican Party that's in D.C., the difference is. They like the Marjorie Taylor Greens and yeah. uh, Lauren Boebert. The the right is together. They're organized. They want the same things. They're, yeah, they're all, better. They're the better strategizing. Part, right. Well, but for the most part, they're all for the most part, they're all against abortion. For the most part, they all want, you know, government to stay out of the way. The problem with the progressives in the Democratic Party is that they don't want the same things. The progressives who are there want Medicare for all, they want canceled student loan debt, and the corporate Democrats don't want those things. That's the problem. The strategy that you see with the right to get power where the base have it catered to its needs, the left should be taking notes. And um, yeah, what do you think about corporate donations? I mean, like, like I hear Bernie takes that, and 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 I think I was talking to somebody. He's like, uh, you know, he takes corporate money. I'm like, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You want them to be leaning to us instead of the right. So I don't, I don't really, because I mean, at the end of the day, a corporation they're going to hedge their bet regardless, and whatever wherever the power is is where. Right. I don't agree. with. Yeah, I don't agree with corporate donations at all. And see, I thought that was the whole point of the left, that we were not supposed to be taking corporate money going into these positions. The moment you take that money, you're bought. But you can't you you can't you can't have a corporation have to cater to donating to you because you're the one that's in power. No, you can't take corporate money, period. 
This is why organizations like Sunrise Movement, Justice Democrats, Move On, this is why they have been co-opted. Along the way, they changed their yeah. grassroots ideology and they decided, you know what, we really need more help than we thought. So we're going to go ahead and take money from George Soros. We're going to go ahead and take billionaire money. Where I'm Look getting at, at is now. the issues that are really at the harder things is corporate backed money. And if it by I, I, I get not taking because you're catering to corporate interests, but it's better to take that money away from an other, you know what I mean? Who, who, who engage in, uh, identity politics, a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, like with the bigotry, you know, and, you know, the otherism in society that is profit driven mo that's a that's a profit driven thing backed by corporate money and if you could it's kind of like with cancel culture with apartheid it it, 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 it it wasn't about pleading to the cause it was about okay you know what we're going to target the corp that are backing the reps and drag their name through the mud and drag their brand through the mud and, 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 and put people out there. And that's how come, like, uh, you see a lot of people on the right, they're complaining about cancel culture, but they are actually cancel culture because bigotry is cancel culture. Being intolerant towards an other in society is cancel culture. It's like saying you don't belong there and, you know, you're going to be prejudiced towards that person. And, that, and, and you know, what you're seeing is a lot of people, they're putting them out there on, on, on Twitter and, uh, they're, you know, and having them go viral, and and uh, you drag the corporate corporate brand through the mud. They don't they don't really want they don't really want that. So it, at the at the end of the day, it's kind of like uh, the you're attacking the source kind of thing. You know what I mean? Or trying to co-opt the source. I, I get what you're saying. It makes it it kind of probably make no sense to take corporate money. But I'm just saying the money's going to be there because a lot of the bigotry and intolerance that is used for people to go against their interests in going against crony corporate interests. And it, 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 no matter how much, it, it wouldn't matter how much money it would take. It would take a, a, a million, a billion, a trillion. A lot of the bigotry and the divisiveness in society that is backed by uh, corporate special interests putting money into that in, 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 in order to they don't you know that the end of the day people don't really care about identity politics it's just about manipulating people socially in society in order to benefit yourself and the thing about America it, 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 with, it, with like with the Civil War it was it was about corporate tyranny. And where blacks and slaves, they were, they, 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 their, their free labor was, was uh, imposing on everybody else in where you can't compete against free labor. So you're probably better off becoming a slave yourself. And, and because that's where your security is. But once, once your security is approached on, your, your liberty can be taken away. So you're pretty much a serf. Uh, no, you should not take corporate money, period. And the other thing that we need to point to that we need to think about here, the candidates yeah. that ran grassroots campaigns, they were able to win 
with grassroots money. So they prove that you don't have to take corporate money. But just because something is there doesn't mean that you should take it. Mm-hmm. You know, part of the corporations, what they're doing, they're calculating is that a lot of their, a lot of the customer base is young and the people on the right are old and there's a strategic, it's like a, it's like a strategic leaning now uh, to the left. It's not about caring. You get what I'm saying? Uh, About the interests or anything like that. It's like, okay, this is, this is my customer base my future potential customer base so I, right. I, I think i think there's a bit of strategizing with corporations and saying well you know these these are old fossils on the right and this is these these folks they're 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 coming into the market so you could see you know so 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 there's a bit of there could be a bit of power there in influencing corps it could, be, it could be a potential power shift balance. There won't be a power shift balance because the progressive issues that they're supposed to be fighting for do not benefit corporations. Corporations are not going to get behind someone fighting for Medicare for all. Corporations are not going to get behind Medicare for all, canceling student loan debt. They're not going to get behind those things because there's no benefit in it for them. And that actually would take money away from them. So they're not going to get behind those policy decisions they're only going to get behind policies that they actually benefit from the the the, the, the pandemic kind of did a, a power uh, a power shift and balance with where people they weren't working because they're collecting that's uh, labor not politics no 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 that's- i was just i was just saying like um they they, 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 they they people were demanding more more money and and uh what, incentives for 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 work and 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 there, there there's a bit it okay well it's it's it seemed like there was a bit of a shift but yeah yeah that that but again that's something that's happening outside of electoral politics and that's where the power is and that's where we need to put most of our focus at organizing unions starting yeah, grassroots unions, yeah labor working with people in your community direct action and mutual aid. And yeah, we do have more of a pull there, but through electoral politics, we just don't, not in the two party system, but thank you so much for calling. I want to make sure I get to the next caller. Cool. All right, Omar, you are on the mic. Hey, Sabi. Hello. Um, I'm so happy that you finally got Chris Hedges on. Uh, That was a great, uh, exchange between the two of you. Um, I, yeah, I, in terms of Bernie, I don't have any evidence for this, but just kind of, kind of based on other things, I'm pretty convinced that he was threatened, uh, because, you know, AOC said she was threatened with minor threats, like not, Putting, not being put on the committee, uh, being primaried. Um, you know, I don't know if somebody sat him down and said, uh, remember JFK, remember MLK. Um, but yeah, at his age, I mean, he has not much 
more not many more years to live and he's also got not much to lose uh, to just risk it and as Brianna has said before if she were in that position of uh, of being in an elected office and being threatened she would broadcast that threat right away and so i don't understand like you're that old you can like say hey i've been threatened or my family's been threatened um because i want to you know get rid of the corruption in this country um i don't know why he wouldn't do that uh cuz you know you kind of uh set up like a a safety net for yourself in that regard i mean that's not foolproof but but i yeah i think chris had just has just said this is political theater um it's like pro wrestling we we have two parties that kind of pretend to hate each other and but yet the corporations are betting on black and red and they just don't lose either way because if the republicans win they win if the democrats win they win um like the harlem globetrotters against the washington generals like it's just become like a self-licking ice cream cone uh this whole thing like they they the democrats lose and then they can you know wait until the 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 republicans just just screw things up so much more that like by like a few degrees more than the democrats and then they can run on that and and raise money and it's just like self-licking ice cream cone there it just is a system that only has a goal of perpetuating itself it is just a fucking joke like how people keep on thinking this is a democracy what happened with with uh Matthew Ho there and us I mean, recently, uh, John Bolton admitting uh, in an interview, like, oh, that he's planned coups. Uh, four years ago, uh, Woolsey, James Woolsey, who was the former CIA director, also said uh, that they had planned that they had done all these coups and in the past. And the interviewer was Laura Ingram asked him, "Do we still do that now?" And he just made a joke of it. um and he said only for for good reasons and so he basically says in the good of for for saving democracy so you have to subvert democracy to save democracy so what does democracy actually mean at that point it means nothing it means being a lackey to american corporate interests and and i wish that people could see those clips and and see just what a farce this is and how we can't trust any of these deep state entities we can't trust these these parties that that are just completely bought off and corrupt and we can't salvage them there's just too many mechanisms in place either through threats or through their inner workings uh within like elections they just keep people uh from from winning uh i mean we we need to give it back to the league of of women voters so that they oversee this instead of these these people who are basically a death cult we we say that islam is a death cult this is the biggest death cult uh, the people in power in this country because they 
have such a large body count, uh, millions and millions of people. And also with the climate change, it's going to be billions. Uh, so yeah, anyway, rant over. <laughs> no, well said. I mean, it's like, honestly, it's just gotten to the point where it's just like, it's laughable at this point. It's laughable to me that people, that more people are not waking up to this. I'm surprised by that. And then I have to remind myself how many people actually, number one, actually watch the news or read the news and how many of them are actually listening to independent media, you know? And then even within independent media, then you still have to be careful because you still have people like TYT, even though I know they have their, their outcries a couple of times this year, they're still going to tell you vote for Democrats in November. They're trash. <laughs> yeah. It just it, So it's like, so then you got that whole segment that has like 5 million viewers still telling people still vote for them. You know, they're, they're still driving you down this, this road that leads to nothing but a dead end. So it's, it's really hard. It's really difficult to get the message out and to get the word out. And then even then you have to show people, right? So that's why I'm always really big on data. I want to show you guys like, look, <laughs> look who these politicians are taking money from. Like you have to show people the evidence because some people, they've done this their whole life. This is all they know. Like they'll tell you like, I was born a Republican, going to die a Republican, or I was born a Democrat, going to die a Democrat. Like this is all they know. They don't realize, like they really think that it's it's definitely about a left-right issue. They don't see the money involvement. They don't see the corruption portion because mainstream media doesn't talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and billions and trillions of dollars have gone to the Department of Defense that they we can't even account for. They they fail their audits, and so like anytime somebody says we should have universal health care, uh, somebody just parrots. How are we going to pay for that? Well, <laughs> how about we start from from the money that you know should be going to our uh, our benefit uh, instead of going to chaos and destruction all over the world. That's right. Yeah. Right. Anyway. We haven't even really gotten to like the foreign policy part of it, but a lot of people don't know about the foreign policy uh, problems with the United States government, how we meddle in other countries' affairs. They don't even know the true stories about that. They just know what what's said on mainstream media and they don't realize that we're starving people abroad. We have sanctions yeah. on all these other countries. It's terrible. Yeah, and they said that Cuba had like people eating out of garbage cans and all this. And I'm like, uh, just take a look out the window or walk down American streets like that. It's that times a thousand. Yes, it's very anyway. bad. <laughs> very bad. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. All righty. I'm going to go to the next caller, and that is Derek. You're on the mic. Just have to unmute. Oh, I think you're still muted, Derek. Unfortunately, the app doesn't allow me to unmute you. I don't know why. Yeah, sorry, sorry oh, that, was, that was a glitch in the app. 
Uh, I'm not that new yet. Um, uh, nothing but respect and love. Sabby, keep up the good work. Thank you. Um, as far as what Nivik was saying, I, I think it's a, it's a mistake to assume that Democrats are bad strategists. Um, if, if you're assuming that they're prioritizing winning campaigns, uh, I think that's where you, where people go wrong. Uh, I think it's clear by now that they do not prioritize winning. First of all, they prioritize doing the bidding of their corporate sponsors, big money interests, you know, the people that pull their strings. Um, you know, Bernie was being talked about earlier. Nothing made it clearer to me that that was the case in Bernie, the Bernie Sanders campaign. Um, his first run at the presidency. I mean, he was polling consistently higher against Trump. He had uh, the will of the people on his side and independents who you need to win general elections made it clear that they loved them, uh, the majority of them. So, yeah, Democrats are great strategists. They're really, really good at doing the bidding of their, their puppet masters and uh, bowing down to corporate interests and churning out sellouts. Um, you know, we've, we've seen that. I mean, some of these supposed progressive Democrats, they, they're selling out faster than the worst of the Democrats that you can think of. Uh, some of these people, it seems like they're from uh, a long line of uh, sellouts, like they're, they're third, fourth, fourth generation sellouts trying to aggressively trying to impress their entire family of sellouts. Like they were born and bred to be sellouts. Um, so anyway, uh, touching on what, uh, Betsy had to say, um, about the sort of unhealthy, dysfunctional relationship kind of echoes, uh, years ago when it became clear that, uh, you know, the voter suppression and election fraud being committed by the DNC and Democrats right on down to the local level in multiple states. Uh, when, when, when it became clear that that was going on, I, I wrote a broke, a breakup letter to the DNC and Hillary Clinton supporters. And I started out just trying to do a post on Facebook that would be funny. And the funnier I tried to make it, the more real it became until it was like this ridiculous, heartbreaking, uh, breakup letter. And thousands of people shared it and thousands of people were like, Oh my God, this is exactly what it feels like. Um, so yeah, she's not, she's not touching on something that's rare. That's for sure. Uh, a lot of people said they got emotional when they read that. I wish I could share it actually, but, uh, the censorship is so bad that I don't think I'll get that, uh, that same Facebook page back ever again. I'm on my second one now. Um, uh, as far as, as far as, uh, Bernie and, you know, trying to figure out the psychology going on just with him or mo his motivations or whatever, whatever tactics were used against him. Uh, I mean, for the most part, I think it's just a mistake to dwell on it. Um, that Bernie, Sa Bernie Sanders, maybe his, his best lesson for us is is to put away the hero worship stuff 
the, the this sort of pathetic need for a messiah figure, you know, the hero thing. We all grew up watching movies with the, uh, you know, these superheroes that were amazing. And, you know, we all have ideas in our head about historical figures that are oversimplified, that sort of thing. Like, you know, for, forget Bernie Sanders. Look at uh, someone like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, shit. Well, there's all kinds, you know. Um, now I'm forgetting. Uh, what's his name? Civil rights hero decided to back Hillary Clinton. Can you help me out? Um, I forget. I'm forgetting too now. <laughs> ah, fuck. Somebody's going to help me out. Um, but anyway, former, I mean, badass champion of the civil rights movement, a lion, a hero. Um, you know, ended up uh, being this pathetic, spineless punk that decided to betray his own legacy, you know, and everything that he ever stood for so that he could turn his back on someone that actually marched in the civil rights movement in favor of a segregationist candidate that, you know, is like friends with Robert Byrd and like kisses clan members on the cheeks and shit. Um, uh, John Lewis, sorry. Yeah. John Lewis, like, we, we just need to remember, like, I choose to remember John Lewis as the hero. But that doesn't mean I can forget about who he became and how pathetic he became. You know, whatever the motivations were or the tactics that were used to turn him into that, I think we just need to put that away, you know, for the most part. If, if we find out certain things like accusations that were going to be thrown at, uh, at uh, Bernie's, Bernie's wife, yeah, we need to shed light on that. If it's concrete evidence that we have, if we have people that can come forward, you know, if they're willing to come forward, talk about that. Um, but, you know, that's like secondary. The thing we need to focus most on, I think, going forward is we are the leaders. We don't need leaders. You know, we, we're, the, we're there to find the people. You know, like Bernie Sanders didn't, didn't rise to, you know, recognition nationwide just based on his record and being a good guy and having a great message. You know, like someone like me would have been like bored by the suggestion of running Bernie Sanders. It was like, you know, initially. Um, until he said certain things that I already cared about. You know what I mean? He didn't, he didn't shine light on things that I didn't know about. You know, when, when he talked about the Glass-Steagall and uh, citizen, the Citizens United decision, then I was on board. I didn't need a hero. You know what I mean? I just needed a politician to say those things so that I had some reasonable idea in my mind that... Well, why would somebody even bother saying these things if they had motivations that were inconsistent with things that I consider to be important? You know? So, you know, like someone like AOC or Rokona, I mean, these, these people are a joke. It, does it really matter why they're spineless? Why, they're, why they refuse to carry out their campaign promises? Not really. I mean, in the end, we just got to separate ourselves from this party, which churns out with 
amazing efficiency, the most ridiculous cowards that have ever fucking claimed to be progressive. You know, uh, moving forward, I think I just think that's healthy. Well said, uh, Derek. I, I, I totally hear you. Um, yeah, I agree. It's just, I have to say, I'm incredibly disappointed with some of our civil rights leaders that we've had in this country. Incredibly disappointed because I felt like they just sold out, basically sold out a whole community just to tell people to vote for Joe Biden. And I'll remember that. Like, I remember who their names. I remember the ones who did it. And it's just like, really? Like, you march with Dr. King? What would Dr. King tell you to do? You think he would be okay with you telling black people to vote for a segregationist? I don't think so. So I've, I've been incredibly disappointed with some of these civil rights leaders and, you know, more power to the work that they did in the past. I totally respect the work that they did in the past. However, in reference to present day, some of them kind of sold out. It just it's I call it like I see it. Some of them turned around and embraced neoliberalism and did exactly what Dr. King told them not to do. And so. I don't know. I don't know who spoke to them. I don't know if it's just because they got their check and they're all good. But this is not what Dr. King had envisioned. Dr. King didn't just envision social justice. He also envisions economic justice, which he didn't get a chance to fight for the economic portion because they killed him. But I've always said this before. If Dr. King were alive today, I think he would be incredibly disappointed to see what has happened. But thank you so much for calling in, Derek. I'm going to go to Rodrigo. And I do have to make sure I hop off at five o'clock because I have to get ready for um, me and JB's show. All right, Rodrigo, you're on the mic. Hey, Sabi, can you hear me okay? I can. Awesome. Yeah, first of all, I just wanted to say I, I enjoyed your interview with Chris Hedges. Um, I kind of disagreed with the first caller, uh, Betsy and Chris, actually. I don't consider Bernie's commitment to the working class real because I heard um, I just believe that sometimes it's not money that corrupts people. I also think that people can be corrupted from just acceptance into like a social status. Like in this case, the fact that Bernie would consider his career more important than the working class. I don't I don't think that's a real commitment, in my opinion. Um, and the other question I wanted to ask you is, what, what did you think of Chris Hedges' statement that Twitter is not a real place to to start movements? He was saying that Twitter is more of a place like where you could start uh, flash mobs. Um, I wasn't sure how to feel about that. I wanted to hear your thoughts. Well, I can tell you from my personal experience in reference to like organizing. It hasn't been so great. Um, and I'll go back to the marches for Medicare for all from last year. Twitter caused a lot of problems for us uh, with the March for Medicare for all. We were smeared constantly on Twitter and, you know, people were posting things saying that people were invited to speak. I, you might know about this, but there was one guy who was like racist and he was on a flyer and they said he was invited. That was all done via Twitter, all social media. And obviously that wasn't true. He wasn't invited, but that was the thing about trying to do that on Twitter 
because anybody was able to basically, I guess, get a hold of the graphic and just put whoever they wanted on there. And that happened like for months in the planning of Medicare for all March last year, like that happened, like people would take graphics and they would put people up there that were not invited as a speaker. So it's a lot easier to get infiltrators via Twitter. I'll tell you that much too, because some people they'll join the organization and they'll say all the right things at the same time. They're in these individual, like these DM groups that are designed to attack the very event that you're trying to organize. So that's the one thing I will say. It can be toxic. Now it gives you the ability to reach more people, but I don't even know if those people are people. I didn't know that anybody was who they said they were with the exception of, uh, Kyle here uh, that I or I worked with to organize the march for here in Boston. With the exception of Kyle, I didn't know that any of those people who said they were going to be there were actually real people until I saw them that day <laughs> of the march. So that's the other thing. Like there's these accounts and stuff on Twitter that aren't real. They're bot accounts or the people aren't who they say they are in their bio. That's the risk you run of that. But he has a point in the sense that you don't really know the people. Like, I really don't. Like, I know them on Twitter, but I've never met most of those people. Like, in real life, we don't live in the same states. We live in the same places. Um, so that's the risk I think you run of that. It's like you don't really know who you're talking to sometimes. Right. Um, yeah, I just I think about, like, RBN, the way they kind of um, – I feel like they make a lot of connections through YouTube, which I think, I feel like it is valuable. I don't know if, uh, I, I guess I'm not ready to dismiss the entire like internet connection. I, I think I agree with Twitter. Like that's probably a space that I could see how that uh, turned toxic, like you were saying. But I also found this article from uh, Ralph Nader on SharePost. And uh, he was kind of saying the same thing. Um, his statement was basically like, um, uh, just to read a passage from it, uh, from that article, he says, when democracy is dying, the only way to get around it is to get out there and start meeting with people, not through screens or emails or text message, but just the way the populists did it in the 1880s, so-called door-to-door, small meetings, larger meetings, creating our own parties, etc. Um, so yeah, I guess I, I don't know how to feel about calling. Like, do you think calling is... <laughs> is something that could be used or? Well, I think at least with calling, you get to hear people's voices. Um, and same thing with YouTube, like you guys get to see, you see us on screen. So you at least get to see the person. And I think, you know, that's a little bit different, but I have to tell you, like, it's easier for people to bail if you organize online. like. I can't tell you how many times people like will sign up for something and they don't show. And it's easier for them to do that. Like I said, you don't know them. Whereas like when you're organizing with people in your community, it's a little bit different because they know that, you know, them, you know, where they live. Like, <laughs> you know, if they're like legit or not, <laughs> but um, it's, it's very tough. Like even now with the March for Medicare for all in DC, it's a struggle. Like, I'll just tell you, it's, it's been, it's harder this year than it was last year. Um, and part of that is because like the online support that we had for these marches for the marches last year is not there this year. And I think some of it had to do with criticism that we got about the marches from last year. 
And then also just word of mouth, like people aren't talking about it. People aren't bringing the organizers on their shows and telling people about this march. It's it's silent. It's no. And I think that was a, a big wake up call for me because it made me realize some of these people don't really care <laughs> if we like fight for Medicare for all or not. If you cared so much about this issue, why are you not even telling people? Why are you not even telling your audience about it? If you have, you know, 900, 800,000, 700,000 subs and you know there's a march for Medicare for all. Why would you not bring on the activists and organizers to tell your audience about it if you care that much about Medicare for all? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, Savvy, yeah, I just want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, I hope you're able to get Ralph Nader on the show at some point. I think that would be an awesome discussion. If you need, if there's any way for us to help you get that connection, yeah, let us know. I definitely think that would be a worthwhile discussion. Yeah, I'm still working on that one. I have to follow back up. There was a form that I um, filled out, but the dates passed. So I think I need to probably resubmit that form. But uh, yeah, he's he's definitely harder to get. Gotcha. Uh, thank you, Savvy. Uh, nice talking to you. Thank you. All right. N uh, Lance, you are now on the mic, so you're the next caller. Now Hey, Savvy. Always a pleasure. Yeah, Ralph Nader, he said that the, the Sanders folks, they didn't even want to talk to him because he's like, can you hear me? Yep. He's, I'm sorry, can you hear me? Oh, oh. and so, yeah, Ralph was like, they didn't even want to call me. He said, okay, fine. They didn't want my name out there representing the party at all. But they didn't, I have a Rolodex. I'm still alive here. I was a lawyer. I know how some of this stuff, to the extent that it's still possible to get stuff through Congress and, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. He said it's harder now. Corporations are more organized. He said GM didn't even have a lobbyist in Washington in early, early 70s, et cetera. So, you know, they don't want to know nothing. And the thing about the Democrats, right? They're 100% successful, right? They just as soon lose. It was uh, explained like a year ago, right? And it's uh, kind of uh, out there now, the ratchet effect. So George W. Bush gets in. New Hampshire and New Mexico were like within a 1,000 votes. It was unbelievably close, not just Florida. And, of course, he governs like he had a mandate. So even if he won legit, it was by like a vote, uh, 500 votes total nationally or whatever. And so, you know, then he governed as a mandate. 9-11 with Democrat support, all the tax cuts and all that shit. They had plenty of Democrats voting for that. And so, you know, so that's what happened. Then the Democrats' job is that ratchet. You know, like when you have that gear thing where you, you click it in like you're trying to tighten something, and then it's locked in. So you lock things to the right. The Supreme Court, with all the corporate decisions by RBG and Breyer and all those pro-corporate, anti-union, but they'll do a couple good things on social issues and ratchet it to the right. And then the Democrats job is to keep it in neutral. Don't do anything either way. Don't do anything. And then ratchet to the right and then freeze it, ratchet to the right and freeze it. And that's what the game is. And that's what the Democrats job is. And they know it. So the Democrats are not unsuccessful. They're not feckless and weak. We know how vicious and ruthless and destructive they can be when it's their own people they want to destroy. They can do it with anything, but they won't and they choose not to. The difference, of course, I was talking to Uma, who's on the listenership uh, right now, and I knew it was different in Europe that, you know, we don't have they don't have the obviously parliamentary. But AOC and these folks, they're part of a party. So if things swing to the left and you're part of that 15 percent or if things swing to the right and you're in that 15 percent far right party, all of a sudden you got power. These people don't waste it. <laughs> they use it. So AOC wouldn't last 10 minutes in Europe because she'd be only. Uh, yeah, they have rock stars, but you've got to do what you said. 
or they're going to vote you out. They don't have, you know, like one party or the other where they can hang on forever in a committee. No, they're going to be in and out of power. And so they have to use it when they have it uh, with that 15, 20. And so that makes sense. What's that? Oh, and Obama, you were talking about. Can you still hear me? As far as Obama, you know, he he did exactly what he wanted. The Heritage Foundation are the ones who created Obamacare. And the, the, the villains then, when he had 60 votes, they needed 62 because of Joe Lieberman and Ben Nelson of Nebraska. They called it the Nelson Amendment. It was a joke. They kept giving Nelson like billions of dollars for little old Nebraska, <laughs> you know, literally just like a complete bribe just to get him on board. But they watered it all down. He put Max Baucus in charge of the negotiations. He was the number one recipient of uh, pharma money. And that was his negotiator, like having Rahm Emanuel as your you know, guy that's going to run the show for you at the chief of staff. So Obama, before he even got elected, I was already cynical about what Obama was all about because of the reports like uh, the Hank Greenberg for the Little Rock Gazette talked about Clinton. It's the local papers and the people that have been following uh, Clinton, uh, Obama, from when he was Harvard president, then over to, to, to what he did in Illinois. He was a known quantity. They, they approved, he was pre-approved by the Chamber of Commerce, uh, Obama. He did exactly what he was supposed to. My problem, though, is how come the left wing, when they want tinfoil hat queuing on MTG and they keep going to the right and they don't let him get by with it, but, but the left does. So I, I just keep reiterating, let's keep talking about those, those rubes, those tinfoil hat wearing rubes, uh, Trumpers. When, you know, I'm sorry, but the voters who vote the way they vote, and I've said this a million times, and it, it is awkward, right? Because you're going to complain about black folks, and I'm a white guy, no. But the grift in the inner city, and that's why they love Biden. It's walking around money. I've even worked for some of these folks, and it's fine. I mean, beautiful souls who are true blue, you know, activists, black activists, you know. So it's like, but they're not going to change the system necessarily. They're living their lives and running their lives. But, you know, so it's not like it's, I'm not putting, you know, but that's why they back Biden is because, and Clinton is because that's where the, that's where the money is. But that's all that. And as far as like moving forward, because, you know, you're towards the end of the show, just to pivot towards like the positive, right? What Christian Smalls did was basically mutual aid, right? He just sat out there giving free pot, free beer and you know, a burger, whatever you want, vegan burger, if you want that. And after a couple of weeks without saying a word, all of a sudden these Trumpers in Staten Island, which were a lot of the workers, you know, were from there. Hey, what's up with this union thing? Because he was just a regular guy handing out, you know, stuff, you know, free stuff. You know, and my whole thing is bringing people together. The revolution will not be televised. Like Chris had just said, it's like you can do it for organizing a meeting after you've got done the face to face. But people still do face to face meetings, you know, and they fly around the world or fly around the country to have face to face meetings. They don't do it all on Zoom, even though they could, even if they know the other person, they do it face to face. Like what I want to do is take. You know, maybe not reinventing the wheel, but it's, I call it farms. It's just one element of something. If I do mutual aid, future agronomists, rural, metro, suburban. And here's the plot. Here's the plot. Simply in a nutshell, you take 4-H folks, right, who are the ones at the state fair that are ones like sleeping with the sheep and the cows and the, winning the prizes. And they do farming. I live with these kind of folks. Not literally. I don't know any 4-H folks, but I live in the country now. The 4-H folks who know about farming. Get them, and then you got the urban gardens where they do a little bit of sales of some of the produce, right? Kids in the inner city. Let's bring that 4-H folks into the inner city to meet the black inner city kids. The inner city kids can come out and see cows, you know, and they will they will get together on something, growing food and agriculture, not politics. And all.
the inner city kids who are doing urban gardening, which is a thing that does happen in the city. And that's how you do it. Bringing right and left together on issues that are outside of politics, music and art or agriculture. You know what I mean? It's, it's, that's, that's how we're going to change the world. It's not by bringing, you know, like knocking door to door and convincing people that have no, no idea of what socialism is about. Try, no, you want to be a progressive socialist. I'm an anti-ismist. No, let's just break bread together. Let's just do mutual aid like you're saying. Then we can get her out of the politics. But if you just get together on the things that you have in common, all of a sudden the politics becomes easy because you just see the other person as a human and not some other entity that you don't know anything about. That's a good point. Yeah, well said. Um, I do have to wrap up here by five o'clock to get ready for my show with JB. But um, I would to answer your question, the reason why um the right seems to, I guess, bend in a way to what their voters want is because their voters hold their feet to the fire. Look at how their voters are responding to Liz Cheney right now. They don't want her and they let her know we don't want you. So that's the difference. And I think the Democratic voters, we don't do that. We don't hold their feet to the fire because we're still told that they're better than the Republicans. So people still go out and vote Democrat because they're supposed to be the lesser evil. That's the problem. Whereas people on the right, right they don't care. Right. They're like, no, if you don't do, you don't fight for what we want. And right now, I would argue that the Republican Party has moved more towards Trumpism per se. So anybody that goes against what Trump wanted, that's already in office. Oh, they're going to push to get them out. And I think Liz Cheney right now, when I looked at the polls, I think she's losing in the polls. And that, now you see what's happening, right? Now the Democratic Party's coming in to rescue her. And now they're saying, oh, we should, Liz Cheney should run for president in 2024. That's coming Robert Wright, yeah. So the Democratic yeah, Party yeah. is running, jumping in to save the Republican Party. Robert and Wright, you don't yeah. see it happening. So that's that's the problem. It's like the Democratic voters yeah. continue to stay in the abusive relationship. We don't push politicians out. We vote for them regardless. And a lot of people are mad at Joe Biden right now. And I think this may be the first time around where Democrat voters are like, no, we don't want you. We want someone else. Now people are more vocal about that. But had it not been for the pandemic, pandemic, most people would still be asleep. and You wouldn't have those poll results that we have right now. But. I do have to go ahead and wrap up because I have to get ready for uh, the JV show. But yeah. thank you guys so much for tuning in. Sorry, I couldn't get to all the callers, but um, I do have to go ahead and thank wrap you. up. But thank you guys so much. All right. I'll be live again, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on RBN for the Savvy and JB show. We're going to have a great discussion about capitalism and how South Korea has actually been addressing capitalism through the entertainment industry. So we're going to talk about that. And then tonight I'll be live on my channel, Savvy Sabs, and we're going to cover some news. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and I'm wrapping up.